This is episode 44 of the Steady Trade Podcast with your host, Tim Bowen. The market kind of decides what you make, but only you decide what you lose. And Steven Johnson. And uh, my risk was around the 15, 20s or something, and now I'm kind of hanging on. So if this turns out to be a disaster... Today, Tim interviews one of the best penny stock traders in the world. In my opinion, the most successful. Okay, fine. The best penny stock trader in the world. So 1,500 to 6.1 million? Jeez, oh, Pete. Jeez, oh, Pete. I thought it was four. But anyway, uh, so 1,500 to 6 million in seven years? About seven, yeah. About seven years. Tim Gratani, who shares his secrets of success secrets like this. With Nasdaq, I've taken more of a short biased approach. Um, I love the big parabolic charts that go for one, two, three days, run hundreds of percent. And this. that None of that matters. It's the price action that matters. And I've had four losses over $100,000 in my career. And this. Um, you know, a lot of my entries turn out to be okay, but then I get overpatient with it. It comes back down on me. I take the loss. And I mean, I know like in the last week, I've probably thrown away at least 30K on, like, on longs that are not clear breakouts. And that, you know, that's just way too big of a number. So all this and more on today's episode, part one of the interview with Tim Gratani. But first, let's dip in once again to the listener mailbag. Today's question, what does it mean when I see people buying single shares of penny stocks? I mean, who buys only one share and why would they do it? Sakshil says one question. What are all of these one in five share buys that I see on the time and sales? Who buys or sells one share at a time? Well, I think the answer is touche, but I'm not sure I do. I think it's touche buying one one share every time. No, but like, who is doing this to them and why are they doing it? Uh, I, you know, good question. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are buying five or 10 shares, but it may just be the way the, the, the orders are getting routed and the way they're getting filled. So what you might see is five, 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 and it might be somebody getting filled on 50 shares, especially if it's a really illiquid stock, you might, I mean, even if you're only buying a hundred shares, it may still take you a while to get filled if it's illiquid. And then if it is a really liquid stock, I mean, it might just be an algo or it might be somebody just, you know, firing off orders. But um, yeah, so I always think it's some idiot who's like trying to make this stock look better or worse than it really is. Well, and you could, you, you might be right. I mean, if you're bag holding on some stock, maybe he's buying one share at a time on the ask, trying to look like it's upprinting, maybe. But I mean, the commissions would guess. the commissions would probably destroy you over time. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's a buck, like you're not changing anything. <laughs> Hey there, Steady Trade listeners. Want to know how guys like Tim Gratani and Tim Bowen followed in the footsteps of Tim Sykes, earning financial security by day trading penny stocks? Do you want to see if you have what it takes, even if your name isn't Tim? Then why not check out the Timothy Sykes Trading Challenge, where you can be personally mentored by these guys and other successful traders. If you're interested, and if you have what it takes, go to timothysykes.com and let them know that you want to work directly with Tim Sykes today. 
So, Stephen, last week I had the privilege of sitting down to, you know, one of my, uh, you know, one of my probably favorite traders out there, mainly because, well, first of all, he may be, uh, you know, definitely you can make the case that, that he is the most successful penny stock trader ever, you know, if not ever, he's very, very close to being ever. But the best thing about uh, about him is he's just such a great guy. Um, so I, I had the opportunity to sit down with Tim Grittani for about 45 minutes. And we just kind of talked about, you know, I, I wanted to focus a little bit more on the present as well as kind of the future yeah. with Tim. Because, you know, first of all, if you're not familiar with Tim Grittani, Google him. Uh, incredible story. But, you know, he's got digital tracks all over the internet. So if you want to kind of know the history of Tim Grittani, it's very easy to find blog posts, videos, uh, media appearances, etc. So I really wanted to talk to him about more about like where he was, how he thought other traders could maybe follow his journey and then his plans for kind of for the future. No, nice, nice, and and I've actually already listened to the interview, and and there was some there was some compelling kind of parts that he that he put in there, and uh, and it was a lot of the stuff that I've kind of heard on the challenge webinars already. So I thought one of the interesting th- things that kind of ran true was uh, the lessons kind of never changed. The stuff that he'd learned one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, he's still kind of he's still preaching the same thing, which was quite interesting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's roll. Yeah, it's really, you know, you know, a lot of, uh, you mean, you make a great point because one of the reasons we talk about psychology and, and implementation is, you know, I, I don't want to generalize, but trading low, one of the reasons we love low priced trading, low price stocks is it's basically simple. You know, there's, there's not a million different little intricacies it's more just waiting, watching, and then when the opportunity comes along, sticking to your rules and, and sticking to your stops, et cetera. So it, it, I, you made a good point that, that a lot of it, you know, he's talking about the same stuff he talked about in a webinar three years ago. And yeah, and, and what he also talked about, which is pretty relevant to me here, I guess it's a time where I can plug this in. He said, if you make a trade, you've got to respect your risk level. And if you don't respect your risk level, it's very easy to get burned. And this is a point that he makes now. And I'm in a trade HEAR right now, which I think he's actually in it as well, but with a better average. And uh, my risk was around the 1520s or something. And now I'm kind of hanging on. So if this turns out to be a disaster, it's kind of because I didn't do what Tim Grittani said do uh, in the podcast, in the, in the interview. So yeah, if you're listening to this, basically, we might as well update you live. So we record yeah. these podcasts. We we don't do live podcasts yet, though we'd like to, but we're currently recording this podcast on May 14th at about 12.15 Eastern. Stephen is currently short H-E-A-R, which is Turtle Beach, which is a headphone ma- uh, manufacturer. They are an earnings winner. Now, now. To give some context, the stock was, I think, 50 cents about three weeks ago, but it is technically an earnings winner, and it is tied with Fortnite. So if, you're, uh, if you have children or if, may, or if you're young, you, I, I think pretty much everybody 
knows what Fortnite is. It's like the latest sensation. Everybody's playing it. It's an online video game. So Steven is currently short a heavily shorted stock that is an earnings winner and is tied to a hot sector. But but it's up too much, right? <laughs> it's it's up from the kind of it was up from the I think the six sevens eights to the to the sixteens. Uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm down around 450 bucks on this right now. And I just, for me, I've, I've literally just got overall profitable again. I went from, um, minus six K to up 400. So I made like six and a half thousand back. And I'm just sitting here thinking, Stephen, you've just got yourself green again. Don't take a bad loss on a pattern. That's not your, your key pattern. It's like, this isn't a pattern that I generally track. It just looked like a good setup. And then I was doing some research. I saw Tim Britannia was also in it. That kind of confirmed. I was like, well, if he's in it, then it's also a double good setup. Uh, but I'm pretty sure his average is better than mine is, and his account is much bigger than mine is too. A lot of these lessons we'll, we'll see already in the podcast, though, I think. So what, so what we're going to do is we're going to, for, for this, we're going to kind of break down. So obviously I was with Tim Grisani live. Steven watched it on the recording, and then he plucked out kind of his points that he thought were most um I don't know, pertinent if that's the right word, but the things that jumped out to him. So so let, let's start with the first one, Stephen, and let's break it down. Well, welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. This is an episode we've been looking forward to for quite some time. Many, many, many of you have asked about it. Uh, Tim Gratani, obviously, a lot of you guys know him. He's been busy traveling the last couple months, so he's been ducking me like crazy. And then, of course, I had the wrong. I was I kept text messaging him, and I'm like, why isn't he replying that I had the wrong number? Oh, really? Yeah, after the other day when Sykes messaged me, I'm like, oh, that's why. But I don't know why the other person didn't ever reply. I sent like six messages. But anyway... So Tim has a long history in penny stocking and, you know, he started out, we won't get too much into the history of what he's done because you can just Google him. I mean, if you're watching this pod or listening to this podcast, odds are, you know, who Tim is, or you can Google him and, and see the whole story on his background, but he's most famously known for, in my opinion, being the most successful penny stock trader because of the fact that he's gone from $1,500, which is a situation many of you are in. You're listening to this podcast because you've got that $1,000 account, you got that $2,000 account, and, and you're looking to build it and, and possibly build a career in trading. And Tim started out working at State Farm, right? Yeah, it was yep. State Farm, yeah, was, summer jobs. Yep, what was the, what, what's, what's the commercial? Who, who's the guy on State Farm? Oh. It's not the mayhem dude, is it? Yeah, well, we blew it anyway. Yeah. But anyway, working at State Farm trading here and there and, and has built it into what's your goal or what your profit's at now? Uh, 6.1 million. Six, geez, oh, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> geez, oh, Pete. I thought it was four. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so 1,500 to 6 million in seven years? About seven, yeah. About seven years. Yeah, so. actually, uh, May beginning of may was like my seven year anniversary okay. for my first trade yep i remember i remember the penny stocking conference we uh when i first met you this is going back probably 2009 2010 do you remember we shared a car do you remember that or not was that with uh superman yep yeah and, and michael cole yeah the yep. first yeah the, yep. the first penny stock conference i yep. did it yep. too. yeah I, I was i was i was saving that because i was like man i all, i only remember it because again i i met you that day and he was just this bright-eyed young kid, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, fired up, ready to go. And, and uh, I was curious if you would remember that. But, yeah, we all carpooled to, 
I don't know, I think it was the after party or, or after the event. Something, yeah. Something, but yeah. So, well, I'm impressed to remember that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, what we want to do is, again, not talk about his future much or his past, but talk more about the future. And mm-hmm. uh, so what everybody wants to know, we, we get asked a lot, like setups, 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 what to trade, what to trade, what to trade. Right. So what is, you know, obviously you've evolved, you know, you go, back, have, to, yeah. you go back to the past Tim got started buying OTC pumping dumps, which yeah. don't really exist anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, so what are you trading these days? What's your approach? What's your style? Um, yeah. I mean, when the OTC promoters died off, I was forced to transition a lot more towards Nasdaqs. I mean, I still have the occasional OTC trades, but it's it's pretty rare now that it's like a blatant promotion I'm trading. Right. Um, Especially like trying to buy them because like you know back then it was awesome penny stocks it was like oh huge volume comes in it's super liquid really easy to enter exit and that's just not there anymore. Right. Um, so with the Nasdaqs yeah I mean it's been a steep learning curve and getting the losses under control especially took a while but um, I'm you know finally getting there I feel like and uh, with Nasdaqs I've taken more of a short biased approach. Um, I love the big parabolic charts that go for one two three days run hundreds of percent. And then, uh, I mean, I'll look for like a gap down in that situation. You know, that's my overextended gap down setup. Um, sometimes I'll still even attack on the front side of the move a bit where it's still one of the big green daily candles. But at that point, there's really got to be like something in my favor on the chart, like whether it be a previous daily resistance level from further back on the chart. Um, what, uh, you know, and again, I'll, I'll butt in with the kind of... Yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're, we've got... A lot of our listeners are kind of beginners. Okay. So I may just be, I always get, many listeners of the podcast are always like, Tim always butts in, but I like to kind of <laughs> butt in when I when I see areas that people might not understand. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. So when you're talking previous day or previous chart, are you talking one year, five year, 10 year, how far back? Yeah, I go I go back about a year. Okay. And so, um, what, I, what I mean by like a previous day, the resistance is like a, a daily candle that uh, traded unusually high volume and it failed. Right. So like that, that was like, like I see like, okay, when last time I traded big, massive volume in a day, how high did it get? Like, where did it run into trouble? And um, then, you know, it kind of stands to reason that there's a decent chance it will fail there again if it spikes up to that point. So I really like giving those a shot. Um, and in other cases, if I don't have an indicator on the daily chart, but maybe it's like day two or day three of the current move where I think the odds are getting increasingly in my favor that there's going to be a big correction soon. Um, I, I get a little more aggressive and I'll start trying to short lower highs on the intraday one minute chart. So um, I really am trying to watch the spike, judge the spike. And like once I see what I determine to be a hard crack or hard pullback, then I start thinking, OK, you know, maybe now it's game time and I'm shorting into the ensuing rebounds with that high a day as my risk. Uh, but that's the riskier strategy. And those are the ones I've gotten myself in trouble on, because if if you know, that high a day comes and you need to stop out and cut that loss and you don't, like, then things can get out of control fast. Cool. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of this, one of the comments that he made was that it, he, what I really liked was he said he was, inter- it was interesting that he said after making 6 million, he is only now kind of getting there. And I thought that was a, a very unique comment because He's he's made six million in the stock market, yet he's saying I'm only just getting there now. And the other thing that he said, which was quite interesting to me, was he said he tracked data when he switched over to find an edge after he was in after he was trading OTCs and he moved to Nasdaq. He said he was tracking data. Now that's an approach that has worked for me, and it's working for other people. And 
And I thought that was quite fascinating. I love that you, that you decided to focus on this first because yeah. we always, you know, you'll, you'll hear us say this statistic a billion times if you're a listener, but 90% of, of, of day traders fail. And you I know, I mean, you'll see guys on Twitter and I've seen, you know, I'm, I've been around 10 plus years. I know people that, that said they knew it all when they were, when they made $6,000 in six months. And here, Tim Gratani is saying, you know, he's almost 10 years in, he's getting close to there and he's made 6 million. And he's like, Hey, I kind of feel like maybe I'm getting there. <laughs> and, and, and you wonder why he is still here nine years later. But it's just, it's just such, I mean, I, I see so many people who haven't made any money who are all saying, yeah, 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 I've got it. I've got it. I've really got it this time. And then for him to turn around and say, I think I've got it up 6 million. That's the attitude that you need to have. You always need to be kind of humble. And that was a good takeaway for me as well. But also the fact that he was tracking data, he was looking to find an edge. Uh, he was creating, kind of creating spreadsheets. And then he was even going back and saying, I should create, I should look back at those spreadsheets and learn more from them. So it's that it's that ever-growing thirst for knowledge. Yeah, it's it's funny that it strikes me that you know these are two things we talk. I I I, I don't I'm, I can't, I didn't ask him. I'm not sure if he listens to the podcast. He's very busy. I'm not sure if he does. But um, it's funny these two points are points that we all we, we we make probably every episode. Stay humble. Always have that growth mindset. Always be learning to or looking to learn evolve and track 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 and the first two points you picked yeah. out are points we make if we don't make it every episode we make it nine out of ten episodes yeah. i really feel like we're kind of we're on repeat we're on repeat constantly and we're all saying the, just the same things but i think it's good and and i mean you hear it about 10 times and then you acknowledge it then you hear it another 10 times and maybe then you start to, to put some of this into action but i certainly think you need to hear it a long time, a lot of times before you put it into action and even then you'll still slip up like I've had, an ama- I've had amazing discipline the last two, three, four months, and that's how I've made profit. But every now and then it kind of slips, especially after you've had a good run. See, and that's, you know, and again, I joke a lot on social and argue a lot with all these guys that want to short everything, mm-hmm. but it's a great strategy if you can be disciplined and stick to that stop. Absolutely. I mean, I mean we, we saw it today. I won't name names, but we were joking about a guy that shorted a stock at 52-week high up on earnings. And he's short at the high of the day and it continued to make new high days and he didn't stop out. You need to be able to pick that spot on the chart and then hell or high water, you stick to that stop. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't reshort later in the day higher. Oh yeah, you can but, always get back in. Yeah, yeah. If, but if you attack and you get biased and you get torched, these are the ones that can create the lakes and, the, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's so easy to like get that mental argument in your head where you say like, oh, well, it's up too much. Oh, well, this company's a piece of shit. And then like, you know, that none of that matters. It's the price action that matters. And you know, that's, you know, when you fall into that mentality and have trouble cutting that loss, you know, that's what opened the door. I've, I've had four losses over $100,000 in my career. And, uh, you know, one of them lake was 290,000. So, I mean, it, it can get bad. I, I've seen people who tell stories about being down a million on a short. Like, you know, I, I, I've learned that it's a lot better to get faked out than to go through something like that. Now, back to that, we talked about a little bit, that, that chart pattern, you know, mm-hmm. you're talking about that previous one day spike. So it's something I call like a one and done. Yeah. Is that something you're looking for that? that big crazy volume candle and then the next day it just fails and you're looking for that pattern to in essence repeat 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so you're saying like in the history, like yeah, back, like, like nine months ago. Nine months ago, it was one and done. One um, and done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm more interested in the resistance level it okay. set when it did that. Um, I, I don't necessarily say oh, it was one and done last time, so it's sure to be one and done this time. One one of my uh, big losses actually was on a stock kind of like that. It had okay. a history. Um, it had an old daily resistance. I think it was an old promotion. Like D-listers had like been paid to promote this Nasdaq. So I just had absolutely no respect for it from the start. And, um, and you know, since it was a dealer's promotion, it had been a one and done. And then this time it ran like multiple days and I got caught in it. Okay. I, th- I think that one was CANF. Um, if that was the ticker, I, I can hardly remember them all. Well, I remember, but yeah. Yep, I remember CANF. I don't remember if it was the right one, but for Yeah, me, I, I know I've got a YouTube video on that one, like okay. kind of talking about the lessons and being like, oh my God, I did it again. But, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's more about the resistance level um, than like the fact that it was a one and done for me. So now, would you consider yourself primarily a short seller at this point? Um, definitely more so. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd say like seventy-five, eighty percent of my trades are shorts. Um, okay. I, I will say that for buying Nasdaqs, the one setup I'm still really comfortable with is the clear multi-day breakout. And uh, that that you know, we're talking about that old daily candle with big volume. You know, for me, multi-day breakout is once it's past that level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not necessarily first attempt, especially if it's early in the morning, because um, I see those fail a lot, I feel like. But then, you know, when that chart holds it together, grinds back, breaks past high a day, uh, then I'm like throwing what I got at it. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, is, I'm ready. Um, um, that, that would be probably if I had to pick, you know, I used to be very biased short seller. I've kind of evolved over the years like we all have. If you don't evolve, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. that that is probably my favorite setup. That big spike yeah. that holds all day, and then sp- and it's at 52s. It's a clear breakout, and then re spikes late day. You know? Yeah, because then at that point, it's proving to you doesn't mean it's going to work, but it's proving to you that after it holds, there's interest here, and there's more buyers coming in late day, which means there's probably going to be holding overnight, and there's probably yep. going to be buying more in the morning. So. Yeah, and you know, and that really is the only one I'm good at, like with Nasdaqs, because uh, and you know, like you said, if you're not growing, you're dying. You're so right. like that's an area for me where I'm like, okay, I want to grow there. I want to get better and finding other setups to buy. Yeah, I mean this this was a very important th- uh, point that he brought up. He was talking about uh, when he looks to kind of short things, he doesn't just look for any random resistance. He looks for the random point of resistance where there was a lot of volume, and the and the more volume. Uh, it, it move has or say for example on one day it traded at 50 million at five dollars that's a lot lot more practical and useful than a trading like two million three days in a row at, at a similar level you've really got to kind of look at where the heavy volume was because that's where maybe a lot of the bag holders are going to be looking to get break even that's where a lot of other people think well if that's a lot of high volume you've got to be kind of thinking uh, longs are going to be thinking I'm going to sell at this level. Shorts are going to be thinking I'm going to start to short at this level. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, we've made that point. I think you uh, actually back, yeah, again. But, but, well, but back in season one, I think you made the dance partner analogy. And, and actually, I've, I've found myself stealing that from you many times. But, you know, <laughs> when you look at these moves, you know, everybody wants to talk about indicators. And we get a lot of requests, you know, RSI, you know, we, we use VWAP, you know, but, but, or, or, or all these, you know, moving averages, simple moving averages, but all of this stuff comes back ultimately to price and volume. And, and you hear him say that, I mean, he's not at no point in this interview, did Tim say anything about any technical indicators, except 
price and value. Yeah, and, and sometimes he talks about VWAP. A, a very good tip that he often gives on VWAP is if, uh, if the stock is above VWAP, the buyers are in control. If it's below VWAP, the shorts are in control. And, and I think that's a very interesting, very simple analysis. So the next topic that you talked about was being down huge on a trade. And, yeah. you, know, you know, we want to talk about as we start you know, go back to a few minutes ago when we started this podcast. Steven's currently breaking his plan, currently breaking his 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 rules. He's 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 got a bigger loss than he planned on. And Gratani talks yeah. about that. <laughs> I've been seeing myself up like crazy lately trying to do that because you know, first of all, when you're learning a new strategy or trying to improve at something, you shouldn't be trading it too big. And I'm definitely making the mistake of getting a little okay. too aggressive with size. But like I'm trying to do these dip buys and buying during consolidation and you know like saying, okay, I identify this as maybe an ABCD setup and um, you know, a lot of my entries turn out to be okay, but then I get overpatient with it, it comes back down on me, I take the loss. And I mean I know like in the last week I've probably thrown away at least thirty K on like on longs that are not clear breakouts. And that you know, that's just way too big of a number. So like so you've got to have that balancing act kind of where you're like okay i'm trying to learn something new but i'm not like playing it stupidly large or like just throwing money at everything that moves now you made a good point there you you said you figured you lost about 30k um another common question we get is <clears throat> tracking trades mm-hmm. uh, we get you know we you know steven ducks talks about his thousands of spreadsheets yeah are, yeah. are you doing that mentally doing a spreadsheet doing a notepad uh, now you... mainly profitly um, okay. early in my career spreadsheets were very important to me i was tracking everything on a spreadsheet i actually i want to dig that up I, i've got it on like a hard drive back okay. home but i want to like i want to dig up my spreadsheet of my first trades where like i've got like the amount i made and lost and it's like you know, little tiny amounts like that. Um, and, and then like the setup next to it saying like, okay, what was I trying to play? And, um, that, that was huge because it could help me see what I was good at, what I was bad at. And, uh, that really helped me narrow my focus. See, that's a question we constantly get is that, and everybody wants a spreadsheet template, which I think you've got some on your site, right? Uh, I put one on there, like just like a basic example of spreadsheet building. Like where back then I was trying to track like afternoon high day breaks on NASDAQs. So we, we get asked about that a lot, and everybody wants like a template. Tim's got them, uh, Michael Good's got them. Uh, but the biggest thing I always say is just it should evolve on your own. Just start out with that mm-hmm. ticker, your entry, your exit, and what you were thinking. And I always say like name the setup, which yeah. is, you know, yeah, that's big. You know, you, you know, afternoon breakout, you know, dip by, whatever, 52-week breakout, whatever you name them, have that consistent set. And don't be trying to trade five, six, ten different things at once, yeah. especially as new. If you've decided 52-week afternoon breaks are your thing, stick to that. Track it. See if it works for you. Because, you know, a lot of the times people are just wired differently. And mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah. you know, you can, you're just wired to be a short seller. And you're like, every fucking time I buy an afternoon breakout, it doesn't work. Well, if it doesn't work for you, quit doing it. But you can right. get that by tracking it. Yeah, and I think it's easy to fall into the mindset where you see other traders who are doing it successfully and you yeah. say like, well, then I should be able to do it too. Like you want that for yourself, but you know, sometimes it's just not there right. and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So do you think, you know, and this is totally, you know, a conversation and, and, and you know, speculation, do you think, because we get this question a lot too, and there's a lot of debate about this, 
And I always call you an extreme outlier. You know, I always right. say, oh, yeah. I always say, you know, I love Tim. You know, I, I always complain. He's a better trader than me. He's better looking than me. He's taller than me. He's nicer than me. It's like he's got everything on me, and he's also turned fifteen hundred and six million. But so he's an outlier in a lot of ways. But do you think it's feasible to repeat what you did? I don't think with the same speed right okay. now because such a big part of my early account growth was those new promotions where I buy it like right as it's announced and then 15 minutes later I'm out for a 50% gain <laughs> right. or a 75% gain. Which like, is huge when you're got 50 And, and I'm, you know, at the time I'm getting like one or two of those a month, yep. but like still that really boosted my growth. Like uh, it was huge. And so... I mean, do I think I could still be successful if I started over right now? Absolutely. Good. But I think it would have taken longer. It would have been a little more of a grind, like where, you know, I'm, I'm not doubling my account every month or whatever it was. What, what was the, you know, and, and I know you're going to have to probably kind of, what was like the timeline? You know, like how, how long did it take you to get to 100 grand? And then, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and then like. So um, timeline basically is, um, you know, started studying February 2011. Okay. First trade, May 2011. Uh, August 2011, my 1500 portion of my account is gone. Okay. Um, and that, was, that wasn't really one big loss, that was a slow bleed. Like, you know, early in your career, I, I'm big on saying, like, try a lot of different things, see what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. But then I kept on trying a lot of things. Like, I, I wanted to nail everything. And so I bled myself dry. And then that's my wake up call. That's like, I've got to do way less. So refund. Narrow it down to my two setups. Um, really, just sit on my hands, wait for those only. Go. Which I think that's a valuable point. Now, the, the setups today will be completely different. But yeah, notice, yeah. notice what he said there. He's like, okay, these are the two things that I recognize are working, and that's all I'm going to do. Or I'm going mm -hmm. to. I mean, none of us are perfect. You're going to try and only do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, not just working, but working for me. So right. It's not like I'm like watching people in the chat room nail this, and I'm like, well, like that's going to be my thing. It's like I, I know through my experiences up to that point that it's what I'm good at. Um, so, so yeah, I narrowed the focus, and you know, there would be days where I'd go through two or three days in a row without making a trade, and that's hard to like be on the sideline, see people celebrating wins in the chats. <laughs> you know, you want to participate in everything still, but. You know, you focus on you, you focus on your own process. And uh, so by November, I get back to break even. And then mid-November, I have my first big win on what was a pump release. Um, I made like 2,700 on it. And that was like one of the 15 minute trades, okay. uh, AMWI. Okay. And uh, that December graduated um, from Marquette. That was, um, you know, I went a semester long. And went full time right after that. So start start of 2012, really. Um, that was my transition to full time. And a couple important things to note about that. Um, first of all, at that point, by January 1st, 2012, I'm up like $4,400, um, and I've moved back home. I'm living with my parents. I'm not dealing with the monthly bills. It took it took a lot of the pressure off. Like there was still pressure there because like we had like a little arrangement where it was like I had to prove myself to them. They were they were like you know make ten grand in three months, which you know comes out to a forty k a year salary, and you know and then we'll kind of like know you're not wasting your time. And how old are you at this point? Uh, well, let's see if that's 2012, 23. Okay, so yeah, turned turned 23 early that year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so yeah, I struck that deal with them, and it was uh, you know I got to kind of not have to worry about the bills as much. And then things kind of sped up, you know, so it was by end of March, I had to be up 10K for 2012, and I hit that target mid-March. Yes, okay. So um, 
Then I think it was in April, I had a $10,000 win on a pump. Okay. Which, you know, that, you know, that's as much as I make in three months. Sure. And I make that in one morning in a 20 minute trade. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can't, I can't remember many specifics beyond that for early that year. I can tell you that around the time I went to, uh, like did that Maldives trip, um, in like whatever that was, September or October, uh, I was up about a hundred grand at that point. Okay. And that's, you know, it's September 2012, so that's what, like 15 months? Which 15 is, months? Yeah, which yeah, is, which is when going back to where we started. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And then, um, and then early 2013 was the Fannie Mae Day. Yeah. Where you know, I started off that year on fire, as it was, and then Fannie Mae, like, pretty much almost doubled my profits up to that point. So um, by the end of 2012, that's when I hit a million, I think. Right. I, th- okay. I think wow. it was like exactly. December, or, 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 sorry, 2013, 2013, right. December 2013. Yeah. yeah. 2013. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of the timeline. And then, uh, I mean, it was pretty much straight up until 2015, which is where I had like my first real period of struggle. Sure. When, and, you know, at that point, I've been trading NASDAQs for a while, but I had developed some bad habits and I started to really get bitten by those habits. Right. Yeah. So basically, I was saying uh, he went through a period of thinking I can be down a hundred grand, I can be down 150 grand, but it doesn't matter because it'll always come back and I'll make five or six grand. And, and this was a problem I had on a much smaller scale where I'd, I used to risk a thousand bucks to make 200 bucks. Uh, and then surprisingly, once I switched that risk, risk to reward ratio around, I started making much more money. But he was saying, I know some guys who are down a million on a short sometimes. And I was kind of wondering, how do you stop that from happening? How can you reiterate the lessons of the importance of sticking to a plan? Something I should be doing right now. Well, I think, you know, there, there, there's, there's two different ways to look at it. And, and this is one of the things I kind of tried to get out in the interview is there's things guys and gals remember i'm i'm just a dumb midwestern midwesterner so i say guys all the time but there's a there's a different you know traders with big accounts and traders with little accounts can do different things and i think the majority of our listeners are going to be that that beginning or intermediate trader i mean even you know maybe you're maybe you've got a 30 40 50,000 account in the grand scheme of things you know, you're still a small trader, even even though a lot of you might be like, holy cow, $50,000 account. But if you've got a multi-million dollar account, you can ride out much longer swings. I mean, the, the old adage of, you know, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay, you know, uh, you know you, that you can stay in the game without blowing up your account. You can do that with a big account, but with a smaller account, you you, you take that thousand, that five thousand dollar loss. It now takes you weeks, months of good trading to get back to where you are, and that's why we talk about that. Be a professional profit taker because your number one goal is build your account, build your account, build your account. You can't do what the multi million dollar guys do yet. No, and I think you should always be accepting taking losses in accordance to, to kind of what your gains are. So, I mean, just one thing that I learned to try and help me get better was I was thinking if my maximum profits are five, six, seven hundred $700, I should be freaking out if I'm taking losses of two or $300 because you better think if you're taking losses of two, 300, if the big loss is a thousand, how, how long is that going to take me to make back? If it right. takes two trades, two days, two $500 days, it's not the total end of the world, but if it's going to take you six months, uh, then, then it's a big problem. 
Yeah, and I, I talk about in Stocks to Trade Pro all the time. I call it the rule of five. I've got a lot of these corny rules, but you know, if if you think about it, if if say you have say you try you trade five days, you know, one trade every day in a five day period. If you you can lose a hundred, lose a hundred, lose a hundred, lose a hundred. So Monday through Thursday you lose a hundred bucks, and then Friday yeah. you make Friday you make five hundred. You're now green on the week. And that is your yeah. goal as a new trader. Now, sure, do you want to? Are you going to brag about being up a hundred dollars on the week? No, but f- think about that. Put that in your head that you could. I mean, that's a twenty percent win rate. You won. You you were green on one trade out of five. Twenty percent win rate. Terrible, terrible win rate. But you're green on the week. But the key to the rule of five is. It's got to be those hundred dollar losses, or it doesn't work. And you yeah, can scale up. Maybe those are maybe you maybe you've got a bigger account, and those are thousand dollar losses, and then a five thousand dollar gain. But that math only works if you keep those losses small. If not, you're always going to be digging out of that proverbial hole. Cool. The next thing that he kind of talks about, which I thought was very very interesting, was. He's very, very good at multi-day breakouts. And he says, I'm good at multi-day breakouts. It's the only long pattern that I kind of get. But then he says, but then I, sometimes when I try and get other kind of long strategies, I just throw some money here, throw some money there. And the next thing I know, he's saying, I've lost 30K. Lost 30K on random strategies. I was like, if I lost 30K, I would kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that point, I've been trading NASDAQ for a while, but I had developed some bad habits and I started to really get bitten by those habits. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, you've done plenty of videos on those, but most yeah. of it was, pro- I mean, I, I, I don't totally remember, but was it just, I mean, adding the losers type thing? Adding the losers, yeah. getting stubborn, um, yeah. and I'd gotten away with it for so long. Like, <laughs> the one that really set the stage for it was I had a trade, like, in June of 2014, where I sat through a $95,000 unrealized loss, which was like far beyond anything I'd even ever been down up to that point. And then it came back down and I like wound up losing only five grand on it. So I was like, holy shit, like just don't panic. Like it's that easy. And then Lake took 290 from me in uh, October of that year. And then I just kind of which fell is, into the, which is 290,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I mean, I've been having a great year that year. I think at that point when Lake happened, I was up about 1.2 million on the year. Okay. So it was like a quarter of my year. So I mean, it was like, it was still emotionally devastating, but it wasn't like everything's gone, right. which, you know, some people go through that, yeah. which that is, that is one of the, the problem, you know, it, it's, it's a great thing, but it's a double edged sword. One of the dilemmas with short selling these junk stocks is, I don't want to say always, but 99.999% of the time they come down. Yeah. But the timing is what matters and what can happen. Like Tim said, you get, you get trained to be like, Oh, I can just ride it out. I can ride it out. And then the lake comes, etc. So the lesson there, you know, whether long or short, you know, you got to be able to stick to your plan, especially as a new trader, because if your account's gone, you're out of the game. Your number one goal is to stay in the game. And if that means a $50 win or a $50 loss or 500 or whatever that number is, as a new trader, you can't get taken out of the game. And, and only you decide that. You know, ultimately, the market kind of decides what you make, but only you decide what you lose. Okay? Mm-hmm. You, you're running the keyboard. You're running the mouse. And it's only you. The, the only thing you can determine in trading is what you lose. 
And that's where you have to stick to your plan and stop out, stop out, stop out, so that you don't end up to the point where you're out of the game because that 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 that's what destroys everybody. That's why ninety percent fail. Right, and and it's so easy to get trained on that ninety nine yeah. out of a hundred, yeah. and and it's that one out of a hundred you got to look out for, and, <laughs> and you don't you don't makes, know it you don't know it till you're like, till it's too late yeah. if, if you've got bad habits. So like one thing I like I have done like all kinds of blog posts and videos on all of those losses, yeah. but like one thing I don't think I talk about enough with that is like there was literally like a twelve month period of time like I, I'd, I'd like pull this up on Profitly, and like I think it was like. I can't remember the months now, but it was like I could take a 12 month chunk of time and I was break even. Right. Like, so for basically 12 months, I made no money. And at this point, you know, how far into my career am I? Like, at that point, I was already considered one of the more successful traders. And this is 12 months of struggles. Like, that's a year. So, um, I mean, you, you're always adapting, you're always learning, and you can't get comfortable. Like, you, you've got to just always keep the good habits and keep on pushing forward, I guess. Like, how can you how can you kind of approach testing out new strategies without loading a losing a boatload of money? Well, it all comes back to you know that that and something we talk about again is smaller size or paper trading. You know, or or you know, paper trading is great. A lot of people don't necessarily like it because of the fact that you don't have any skin in the game. And I, you know, I I, I agree with that. I see that, but. The key is you got to track. You know, there's so many times when I'll talk to somebody, whether it be in Stocks to Trade Pro or somebody else, and they're like, I can never buy breakouts. It never works. And I'm like, well, show me your charts. You know, where's your, which, where's your tickers? Where, you know, show me where you bought these breakouts, what time of day you bought them what the volume was and they're usually like look at me with that deer in the headlights look because they don't have the data (laughs) you know it's like well don't sit here and excuse my language don't fucking tell me buying breakouts doesn't work if you've got no data to show me that 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 it doesn't work so hi this is erica meyer from toronto canada and when i'm sitting at the cottage i like to listen to steven and tim on steady trade podcast you can register to win real actual prizes at their website steadytrade.com and if you really like what you hear give the podcast a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on itunes i did and this is how we say goodbye in toronto 